Hey guys, good morning, good morning. So I want to go ahead and just acknowledge something right up front, okay? That video was weird, right? <laughs> are, are, are we together on that? And, and here's probably what you're asking yourself. What in the world did I just watch? That is 45 seconds of my life that I will never have back. But I promise you, by the time you leave today, all that will make sense. And so uh, I appreciate you giving me the next hour and a half to, uh, to explain that to you. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke too, okay? I'm new, but I do know we're not hanging out for an hour and a half. Well, guys, as, uh, as Lindsay said, my name is Andrew. I have uh, the joy and privilege of being the Mount Olive location pastor. And uh, we're doing this sermon series right now called Felt Board Faith. And so the preaching pastors are rotating around. And so the cool thing for you is if you just come over the next couple weeks, you're going to get a chance to hear all the location leads. Pastor Jim, our senior pastor, was here with you last week. Actually, Pastor Allen will be back next Sunday because he's preaching, and then the following week will be Pastor Ryan. So I just want to encourage you to be in the house, or if you're watching online, I want to encourage you to tune in every week because I believe God's going to speak to you as we do that, okay? Uh, well, today I am really excited because my wife, so she is incredibly gifted in worship, and, and God just, she's anointed to lead worship. And so because of that, it's really hard for her to get away from Mount Olive when I go off and minister other places. But she is here in the house with me this morning. There she is. Nicole, would you raise your hand? <clears throat> and, uh, and, and so she is, uh, she's pregnant. We're expe expecting our third little boy who's going to be here with us, and he'll be here in October. And uh, yeah, I see you guys smiling and looking excited. I'm nervous. She's pretty calm. Uh, there is a strategic shift that happens with three, and that is that you go from playing man defense one-on-one -on -one, to now you're doing zone, right? You're just trying to cover a lot of territory, and so I'm a little nervous. I'm scared. Any parents of over three kids in the house? Can I see your hands? Okay, a couple. I need you to come and pray over me at the end of service. <laughs> no, it's good. God's got this. And, uh, and so we're excited about that. Hey, I want to talk to you real quick before I jump into the message. So I have the opportunity every week to work with Pastor Allen. And uh, there is... People like Pastor Allen, pastors like him, I, I just, I know you know this, but I want the opportunity to say it to you. You understand, pastors like that are not a dime a dozen, right? You, you understand how blessed you are. I'll tell you this, he is one of the most visionary guys I know. This guy, you can put him in an empty field, and he's like, we're going to build a building here for the glory of Jesus, and there's going to be a school, and then this, and and I'm just telling you, he's a dreamer. You guys know that and understand that about your pastor, don't you? I mean, like Joseph in, in the Bible. He just dreamed dreams. And, and the, the good thing about that is you can kind of see the future and you can kind of see what it is God's leading you and what it is he wants you to do. The, the hard thing about that is when you're holding on to that vision and yet it's not here yet and you're, you're constantly balancing 
that tension. And so uh, he just is an incredible guy. I'm so thankful I get to work with him. I know you guys are so thankful for him and maybe even just as much, if not a little bit more so, for Miss Misty. Can we give it up for them right now? Love, Pastor Allen and Miss Misty. All right, well, let me begin by asking you a question this morning. How many of you, your day has ever been derailed? You ever had your day? I'm seeing heads nod all over the place. Come on. You had a to-do list. You had a plan. And you get to the end of your day and you're like, what just happened? I mean, I don't know if that ever happens <clears throat> to you guys. I'm, I'm seeing that it happens for a lot of you. But if you've ever had your day derailed, maybe you went to work and you had an agenda. And then someone came into your office and they clearly did not have an agenda. Or, or something along those lines. Let me tell you how it worked for me. I was thinking, okay, well, I'm going to ask them that question. When's the last time my day got derailed? So it, it happens a lot in little ways, but about two or three months ago, my wife had some honey-do list projects. And so me being the incredible, faithful, wonderful man of God, husband to her, this was easier to preach last week when she did not go with me to Goldsboro. <laughs> Please, no one talk to her after service. Anyway, I was, I was uh, doing some honey-do list projects around the house. And then, unfortunately, we had a death in the church. And uh, it was an out-of-town kind of situation where I had to go a couple states away and preach a funeral. And I get back that Wednesday night, and I look at Nicole, and I tell her, I'm a little nervous. Normally, I'm planned out. Normally, I'm prepared. Normally, I'm ahead of schedule. And uh, I've got to preach this Sunday, and I don't feel real good about where the sermon is at right now. So I'm a, I need to spend all day in my office tomorrow. I really need to get in and spend some good time with the Lord and, and sense where it is He wants me to go with this sermon. Well, school wasn't out yet, and so I took the kids into school, did that, and then I get to the office, and I'm there for about an hour, and I get the call. How many of you parents know what call I'm talking about? You look down, bring, bring, the kid's school. Oh no, immediately dread washed over my body. Why? Because, and let me just say this as a disclaimer, I love my kid's school. It's wonderful. I love all their teachers. Okay, God bless them. Here's the call I've never gotten. Okay, I've never gotten the call from their school to say, uh, excuse me, is this Mr. Price? Yeah, I'm here with your son. and Extremely handsome. That's how we knew who he belonged to. And <laughs> polite, smart, just wonderful kid. Everything's going great today. We just wanted to call you and give you a little update. I've never gotten that call. Maybe some of you have. Maybe your kids are better than mine. I've never gotten that call. Here's the call I get. Kids school. Yeah, they're throwing up everywhere. You may want to get down here. <laughs> it's bad. And just that sense of dread. That, oh, no. Because now I had all these plans, and now we got to go to the doctor. And don't get me wrong, that sounded horrible, didn't it? It sounded like I didn't want to take care of my kids. That's not it. 
I'm just telling you, what I had planned for my day is not what happened that day. <laughs> my day got derailed. Well, today, as we look in Scripture, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 9. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles there, 1 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to talk about a guy whose day got derailed. A guy who had some plans, and then those plans didn't happen. So that you can understand 1 Samuel chapter 9, I want to back up to chapter 8 and, and, and catch you up on what's going on there. So in chapter 8, the nation of Israel is crying out for a king. Now here's why that's problematic. Because Israel was ruled with a theocratic form of government. Theo meaning God, Cratic meaning that's the, that's the origin of rule. And so God is in charge. God is the one who is the leader. Israel looks around and everybody else has a king. Monocratic, mono meaning one. There's one guy at the top. And as long as that guy's good, okay, that might work out for you, all right? But if that guy's bad, come on, you, you've read the Old Testament, you know when a bad king was in charge, it made it really bad for the people. And so here they are, they're in, all these other nations are in this monocratic form of government. They've got a king, and now Israel starts looking around, and they've got the best situation they could ever ask for. They've got God as their leader, and they start crying out, we want a king. We want a king. We want a king. And so in chapter 8, God just warns them. He says, okay, let me just tell you what you're asking for. See, if you get a king, he's going to take your sons. And, and your sons are going to have to serve his horses and his chariots. They're not going to get to spend all day working with their flocks and at their house, they're going to have to serve the king's horses and the king's chariots. And if, you're, and if you get a king, he's going to take your daughters. And they're going to be cooks and perfumers in the king's palace. And they're going to have to go to work for him. And oh, by the way, he's going to take your children. And he's going to enlist them into military service. And so there may be wars that you don't like or agree with or even want to be a part of. But guess what? Your kids will fight in those wars. Why? Because when you've got a king, that's what happens. He enlists you into military service. And oh, by the way, as if all that wasn't bad enough, he's going to take 10% of your flocks. That's what's going to happen. He's going to take 10% of your flocks, all your stuff, your wealth, your, your form of food and, and wealth and status back in that day. The king is going to demand uh, a ratio of that. He's going to demand 10%. And so what God is doing is he is laying it all out on the table and he says, guys, listen, Israel, hear me. This is not a good deal. And you know what Israel's response was? We want a king. We want a king. Church, if I could tell you anything about chapter 8, it is this. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you look around and compare yourself to somebody. Man, I wish I had that house that they've got. 
I wish I had that boat or that lake house or I wish I had that position at work. Or we, it's so easy to, to look around and to begin to compare, to look around and to say, man, I want that. I want that so much. I'm willing to, to, to put all these other things in jeopardy. And that's exactly what Israel did. They compared. They said, we want what everybody else has. Ha- what everybody else has. And so God says, okay, that's not my perfect will for you. I had a better plan, but I'll allow you to do that. I'll give you your permissive will. I'll allow, I'll permit this to happen. But hear me, it's not the best. And so with all of that in mind, we now go in to chapter 9. Verse 1 begins like this. There was a Benjamite. A man of standing whose name was Kish, son of Abiel. Kish had a son named Saul. As handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. I need you to understand something about Saul right now. Saul walks in a room, you know it. He's a head taller than anybody else. Everybody looks up to Saul. Here's the other thing. It says he was as handsome a guy as could be found anywhere in Israel. He's not the most handsome guy in his church. He's not the most handsome guy in his family. He is the most handsome guy anywhere around. Saul comes in a room and that song starts playing. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. (laughs) That's what was going on for brother Saul, okay? Tall, dark, and handsome. He had it going Verse 3, now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father Kish were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go look for the donkeys. So we passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area around Shalishia, but they did not find them. They went on into the district of Shalim, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin. What's that last part say? But they did not find them have you ever been looking for something and you couldn't find it let me tell you what literally this is a true story ask my wife we get in the vehicle we're on the way here i hit the brakes i'm like i don't have my phone hey wait i don't have my phone do you have my phone and my six-year-old in the back he's like it's in my room you left it in there Uh, so we turn around and go get the phone why because we don't like it that that's so frustrating there's something that i normally have and now i don't have it and i'm looking for it it is so frustrating when you cannot find it and so what we find out later in this chapter is that for three long days for three days saul and this servant are walking all around, all these areas I just described to you, for three days they're walking and they're looking for these donkeys. Three days of looking and not seeing. Three days of seeking and not finding. How many of you know that is frustrating? Here's the other thing. Uh, What a menial task. I mean, here's Saul, tall, dark, and handsome, got it all going on, everybody looks up to him, and dad has me chasing donkeys i mean couldn't he have sent two of the servants couldn't he have sent somebody else but 
Saul willingly goes, but he's out there chasing donkeys. Here's my first point I want you to see. We all have times where it feels like we are chasing donkeys. We all have times where it feels like we are chasing donkeys. I'm talking about those moments in your life where it feels like, I was made for more than this. Like, I, I thought my life would look different than this. I thought I would be more fruitful, more fulfilled. I thought I would get to a higher position. I, I, I just, I feel like I'm made for more. You know, I think about you moms. You ladies are incredible. I mean, honestly, I stand back in awe sometimes of my wife and other moms. You ladies, you get up early, you make the kids lunch, you fix them breakfast, you get them dressed, you get them going with their day, right? And then you, you're working, you come home from work, you make the meal, and then what happens? Sometimes nobody eats, right? How frustrating is that? And then you wash the clothes, you fold the clothes, you put the clothes up, and you go look in the hamper, and what are there more of? Clothes. You moms know. Chasing donkeys. <laughs> Those times where it feels like I was made for more. Maybe, maybe for you, it's at work. You've got this job, you're, you're in, and it just doesn't seem like there's anywhere to progress up. It doesn't seem like there's going to be any upward movement. Maybe you've got a boss who's, man, he's just some things we shouldn't talk about or say in church. <laughs> and it feels like I am just chasing donkeys. It feels like I was made for more. Here's the second thing I want you to see. What feels trivial is often providential. What feels trivial, what feels like, oh, that's not a big deal. That's not a big thing. Oh, that's a small potato. What feels trivial is often providential. It is the providence of God. For Saul, as he's out hunting this, these donkeys, this seems like just another day. I'm, I'm working on the farm. I'm doing what dad says. Okay, here I am. It's just a normal Thursday. But what he is about to find out is that this seemingly insignificant circumstance, missing donkeys, is actually the providence of God. See, Saul's life is about to be forever changed. Look with me at verse 15. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord revealed this to Samuel. I want to stop right there. I want you to understand something. So if you're new to this whole God-Jesus Bible thing, you're new to the Christian faith, you got to understand that 1 Samuel, this is before Jesus, okay? This is before Jesus. And so at that particular time, what would happen is when God wanted to speak to someone, he would speak to the prophet. That's, about, that's what's about to happen to Saul. God wants to communicate a message to Saul, and so he speaks to the prophet. If you had a plan, if, if you had this idea for yourself, I think I'm going to start a business, or I think I'm going to do this, or I think I'm going to move here, what you would do is you would go to inquire of the prophet, hey, does, does God bless this plan? Is God, is God good with this? And, and that's because God spoke 
to a select few. God spoke to the prophets in that day. But here's the good news. Because of what we just sang about in that third song, because of Jesus and what he did on that cross, because he willingly gave up his life, he he lived a perfect life. He never sinned, not once, not even a little bit. He lived a perfect life. And because of that, he became the perfect Lamb of God. He he became the perfect sacrifice for sin on that cross. See, in the Old Testament, what would happen is when you had sinned, when you told a lie or when you got caught, you know, doing something wrong, here's what you would do. In order for there to be remission of sin, there had to be the shedding of blood. And so you would take a, a sheep or some other animal to the temple and you would offer that as a sacrifice. And because that animal gave its life, Now your sins could be forgiven. There was no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. But because of what Jesus did on that cross, how he shed his blood on Calvary, and he was perfect, it wasn't a sacrifice or a substitutionary atonement for one, but for everyone. And so now, here's the good news. If you want to talk to God, if you want to know God's will for your life, you don't have to wait until Sunday morning. You don't have to come see Pastor Allen or Andrew. Or You can go to God on Tuesday afternoon in your car and say, Jesus, I need you. And because you are a son and daughter of God, you can boldly approach the throne of God. Anybody grateful for Jesus in this place? That is the good news of the gospel. That's the amazing thing for you and I. Because we didn't live before Jesus. We live after Jesus. So now we can boldly come. All right. So God gives this message to Samuel about Saul. Samuel about Saul. You follow me? Verse 16. He says, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, easy to find, right? Tallest one in the crowd. When he caught sight of him, he said, The Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. God has been speaking to Samuel about Saul. He said, There's going to be a guy here tomorrow. He's the one. Anoint him king. You know how everybody's been crying out, We want a king. We want a king. That's the guy. Saul comes, and here's what's so cool. Put yourself in Saul's place. Saul still thinks this is about donkeys. Saul comes, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're missing a couple donkeys. But it is about so much more than that. The donkeys were just the circumstance that got Saul where God wanted him to be. Here's what I want to tell you, church. Sometimes when it feels like your day has been derailed, sometimes when it feels like your day has been derailed, it's actually God getting you on his track. It is the divine providence of God. It feels trivial. It feels like, oh, it's just a flat tire. Oh, what a pain. But it could be the providence of God. Let me share with you this quote by Pastor Erwin Lutzer. He says, let me encourage you to take those if-onlys. Those if only. If only I would have gone to that score. If only I would have met you sooner. If only. 
He said, let me encourage you to take those if-onlys and to draw a circle around them and then label the circle the providence of God. The Christian believes that God is greater than our if-onlys. His providential hand encompasses the whole of our lives, not just the good days, but the bad days too. We have the word accident in our vocabulary. God does not. What an encouraging thought to know that there has never been not one thing that has happened to you in your life that God was in heaven going, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Not, not one time. God can use everything, both the good and the bad, for your benefit. God can use everything to guide you and lead you to his plan and to what it is that he has for you. Have you ever had a chance meeting? I mean, you just happened to be at the ball field. Your kid was at the ball field. Somebody else's kid was at the, You had a chance meeting. Maybe it was on the golf course. Maybe it was at work and you met someone. And then very quickly, it was like, oh, our lives have now intersected. And, and, and here comes this major sale or this major commission. Or, or, or somehow your lives intersect. And you're like, man. What a chance me. Who would have ever thought that that one hello on the ball field would have led to all of this? See, here's what I'm trying to help us understand, church. That those aren't chance meetings. That is the providence of God. I'll tell you how this played out in my life. So five years ago, five years ago, it was, uh, it was about to be August. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm preaching the first of August for Pastor Jeremy at our Goldsboro location. Now, at that point in time, I was the Bridge Kids pastor. And so I didn't preach every Sunday. And I especially didn't preach at our Goldsboro location. And so, but Pastor Jeremy was going to be out of town, kind of on short notice. And so he asked me if I would come and preach. Of course, yes. We're getting ready to launch the Mount Olive location. I'd be happy to preach. I'm, I'm excited to do it. And so I get there that morning, and I'm preaching and there's a lady in the second row where this young lady is this morning. And she is just sitting there as I'm preaching. And she's, <laughs> and she's crying. And I'm thinking, I'm so sorry I'm bad at this. Your pastor will be back next week. <laughs> and here's what I found out after the service. She's new. She'd never been there before. Oh my gosh, she's never coming back. <laughs> she waits for me. She comes and talks to me afterward. We, a lot of times we'll pray for people in the altar. And so I'm, I'm down there and she comes up. She says, I've got to talk to you. Well, at the beginning of the service, I hadn't planned to say it's August. We're launching the Mount Olive campus in October. But we've been talking about it for almost a year at that point. We'd had prayer meetings, interest meetings, all these different things. But nothing had happened yet, right? Like, we're so close to something happening. So I hadn't intended on saying anything. Everybody at Goldsburg knew we were launching Mount Olive. I wasn't going to say anything. But here's what happens. You get a microphone and lights come on, and you're like, guess what? We're going to Mount Olive. <laughs> and you don't know what you're going to say, man, you know? And so anyway, so I said that really quickly at the beginning of service and, and did not intend to at all. And this lady comes up after church and she said, see, you don't understand. My son is 
uh, he, he's on a track and field scholarship at the University of Mount Olive. And I just dropped him off yesterday, and I'm leaving in two days. I'm going back to England. We're, we're from England. And, uh, and, and she said, I was at the sleep in this morning in Mount Olive. And she said, I'll be honest with you, Pastor. I was having my little continental breakfast. I was getting ready to read my Bible and pray. And then I was going to spend the rest of the day with my son because I'm getting ready to not see him for several months. I wasn't going to come to church. She said, but as I'm eating my breakfast that morning and sleeping in Mount Olive, God spoke to my heart and he said, go to the Bridge Church. And she's like, what? <laughs> go to the Bridge Church. She said, well, I'll pull it up on my phone. And there's not a Bridge Church anywhere around there. And I'm thinking, God, see, you got it wrong. <laughs> he said, go to the Bridge Church. So she plugs in the address. She shows up. At Goldsboro, I'm still in awe of that. What are the odds? Princeton had been there much longer. It wasn't in a shopping center, right? There's just a, a, a number of reasons why you would think it would have taken her to Princeton. But God brought that lady to Goldsboro. And so the first thing she hears me say is, we're going to Mount Olive. And for months, she has been concerned because her teenage son and I know I talked to Lisa and Jasmine this morning. You might be grown at that point. You're 18. But to your parents, you are still, that's my baby. <laughs> All the parents in here say, mm-hmm, yeah. That's my baby. I don't care if they're 25. That's my baby. And so here she is. She's like, I'm sending my baby an ocean away. He's going to be in college and around all these bad influences. And she is petrified. She said, I raised my son in church, but I'll be honest, the past few months he hasn't been wanting to go to church. And it's just like, I was very concerned about where he was spiritually and where he was with the Lord and what might happen over the next few months with him being at this university. And she left there that morning with this peace of mind. He's going to have, God is bringing godly influences. God's bringing a church. And he's an international student, so he can't drive. But guess what? God's bringing a church right within walking distance of where he's going to be at. I left there that morning, and I just want to be honest about this. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe you guys think as pastors we just have this tremendous amount of faith. And, and I did to some degree, but my wife and I, we had just bought a house. We had kids, and I'm leaving my sure thing job. There's going to be kids that are come, going to come to that church next Sunday. They're going to need a children's pastor. I'm leaving my sure thing job to go to this campus we're trying to start, and we hope works. How dumb am I? That's what I'm thinking in that moment. God, this is a step of faith. I need your help. You've got. And that morning, in that altar, God brought a lady from England and a guy who's a kid's pastor together. And they would never be in the same room probably ever again. And she left with peace of mind, knowing my baby boy's going to be okay. And I left that morning with a confirmation, knowing. This is what God's called us to. And God is sending provision from all over. And he's got people. The, the, the line that I'll never forget, she told me, she said, Pastor, I've been praying for months. And I didn't know what church name to call out. And I didn't know what pastor to call out. But now I do. For months, I've been praying for you. What an amazing, amazing God 
we serve, that in his providence, when it seems like our day is derailed, he's getting us right on track and putting us where he wants us to be. Now, it's at this point in the service, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, that's really cool for that student. That pastor, that's awesome for you. Okay, this is really neat for Samuel and Saul. But what about me? What about me? How do I know when the trivial is the providential in my life? How do I know when it's a, a providential meeting? How do I know when God's doing these things in my life? I want to I answer that by looking at verse 27, by going back to this account. As they were going down to the edge of town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while so that I may give you a message from God. Do you see what happens? They're, they're walking together and Samuel looks at Saul and he says, I need you to stop right here. Servant can keep going. But I've got a message from God for you. And the only way you're going to be able to hear it, and the only way you're going to be able to receive what God's got for you, is if you'll press pause. If you'll just stop right where you are and lean in. Here's the third point I want to show you. A fresh word from God is how we move from donkeys to destiny. A fresh word from God. And let me just use the language of point number two. It's how we move from trivial to providential. A fresh word from God. God had a word for Saul and he brought it through Samuel. Church, listen to me. Listen to me. God has a word for you. God has a word for you as well. And here's how I know that. Because if you are a child of God, if you're a son and daughter of God, here's exactly what I know. As a parent, I want my kids to know where they're going and what they're doing. I want them to have clarity about what's going to happen tomorrow. I want them to know. Guys, your heavenly Father doesn't want you walking around lost, going, God, what now? And let me guess, and let me... God's got a word for you. But here's what it's going to take. It, the question is not whether God wants to speak to you or not. The question is, like Saul, will we stop and listen? I heard a pastor Several years ago, he preached on having a quiet time with God. And he talked about, he, he said many things during the sermon, but two things I'll never forget. The secret to having a, 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 a good quiet time, the secret to having a successful, intimate, effective quiet time is for it to be unhurried and undistracted. Unhurried and undistracted. Now, I know, I know, there are some of you immediately, you're going to push back on that. You're going to say, Pastor, you just don't understand. I don't have time. I've got kids. I've got work. I've got all this stuff, my time. And maybe not every day. Maybe, you, maybe someday it's going to have to be a devotion, and you're going to have to hit the ground running. But if there's not a couple times a week where you can just slow it down and say, God, I've got 45 minutes. I've got an hour. And I'm coming to you and I don't have a plan. I'm just going to play some worship music. And I'm going to sing to you. 
and I'm going to read your word and I'm going to pray and I'm going to come to you in an unhurried way. Unhurried and undistracted. I'm not bringing my phone with me. I'm going to be away from the kids. I'm going to have to have it before they get up. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to make that time sacred. Why? Because God's got a word for me. I mean, think about it. Everybody that you love, that's what you want from them, isn't it? So, so my mom, it was before COVID, back before life kind of slowed down, the world slowed down for a little while. My mom called me. She said, Andrew, I need to talk to you. She said, I know you're grown. And I know you got a family. And I know you're pastor in a church. And I know you're busy. But I want to spend some time with you. I want some time. I said, okay, mama. <laughs> Mama's always right. Okay, mama. And she said, I, I want you to put your phone to the side because I know people are going to call you and I know people are going to text you. I just want some time with you. And so one of the things that I, I try to make time for, sometimes it's once a month, sometimes it's not quite that often, I'm going to go and spend some time with Mama. Why? Because what her heart wants, because she loves me, if I could just use the language of the sermon, she wants some unhurried, undistracted time from her big red-headed baby boy. The people you love want the same from you, and God's no different. Listen to me, church. God's got a word for you. And there's things, and they look trivial. And, and, and I'm not even going to read the rest of the scripture. So media team, I'm sorry. If you look in chapter 10, there's just some random stuff. Saul doesn't know Samuel. He doesn't know him that well. And so Samuel says, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And just as a way to make sure you understand this, and you know that this is true, here's what I want to tell you. You're going to leave here, and by the great tree of Tabor, you're going to see three guys. One's going to have some goats, one's going to have some bread, one's going to have a skin of wine, and he's going to offer you two loaves of bread, and you're going to take it. And he just gives him all these things that if Saul would have just seen him, they would have looked trivial. Whatever, it's no big deal. See, I pass people like this all the time on the road back then. But because he was looking for it, he knew, no, 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 this is not no big deal. You're the goat guy. I'm going to be king of Israel. God was true. This is real. God's got a word for you. The way we get it. The way we understand God's plan. The way we can live fruitful and fulfilled. Fully immersed in God's will for us. Is unhurried, undistracted time. Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, it is so much easier to say than to do. To, 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 to just carve out this time. To be super intentional. God, we live in a busy world. We live in a fast-paced environment. And there's always work. There's always stuff pulling for our attention. And, and if we're being honest, it's easy to get to the end of the day or the end of the week and say, I've been chasing donkeys. God, I just believe that right now in this house, 
There are some people that are moving from donkeys to destiny. There are some people that are moving from trivial to providential because they are going to be intentional about leaning in to the presence of God. And so, Father, I just pray that in Jesus' name, that through your Holy Spirit, you would begin to speak to us. Through your Holy Spirit, you would begin to guide us and lead us in the ways we should go and help us to be effective, fruitful, and fulfilled in what it is you've called us to do. God, we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen.